0: Welcome to Generous Impact. My name is Brett Brummett. And
1: my name is Amanda Brummett. We are joined today by Emily Albright, a nonprofit executive with a rich history in giving back to the community and connecting with people. In this episode, you're going to hear a theme around people, listening to them, connecting with them, and the intentionality in maintaining relationships. Well, Emily, thank you so much for being here today and taking the time to talk to Brett and I. We have had the honor, I would say, of following your professional career and seeing your family grow for the better part of the last decade. Can you tell our listeners who you are personally and professionally?
2: Sure. Thank you so much for having me. I am Emily Albright, and I am married to an amazing man for over 15 years. And we have two wonderful sons who Will be 11 next week and seven. So they keep us on our toes, active at all times, and we have a lot of fun with them. And then I have been in the nonprofit sector for over two decades. I have been a part of national organizations and local organizations, and really have found my calling. And relationship building and fundraising and working with leadership volunteers, which I just have, you know, a great love for. I always say that you can't have fun and fundraising without the start of the word, which is fun. So I um, love what I do. I feel that I get to work every day. I have a choice and I absolutely love the impact that I'm making and the difference, not only in my community, but for those that I've been a part of.
1: I love that. And and the whole point of our show is people that are making their communities better. And I love that you've been able to do that um, through multiple organizations and across 20 years now.
0: Yeah, which is cool. Is there anything in your background that first drew you into the nonprofit world or something that lured you in originally? Or is it something you found by accident and just stayed because you loved it?
2: So I grew up in um, a family that always was involved and engaged in their community. My mom has been an over five decade volunteer for Meals on Wheels, and I saw my grandmother work for also over six Plus, decades at a hospital as a flower lady in West Texas. And so it really has been ingrained in me that to give back. And we always share with our children, you know, what a difference it makes in giving back to others and just how good you feel when you help those that need help. And it is something that is. Something everyone can do. Um, I have had my children as young as two volunteering, and it helps to learn as you're counting or colors, et cetera. And then we have also gone on holidays and delivered as a family meals on wheels. Sometimes, you know, they're equipped year round with great volunteers, but when people travel on the holidays, that's their greatest need. And so to show our own family how we can continue to give back and make a difference in our community. I have an undergrad and graduate degree in social work, and so I found um, my calling um, with those degrees and my education my formal education i also saw the impact of being a part of a macro community approach instead of a micro approach you know there's different aspects that you when you envision a social worker you see them as maybe a counselor or a therapist or working in a hospital and i really felt at home when I started my first career job um, over two decades ago with a national nonprofit organization. And I love the impact that nonprofits have um, locally, nationally, and internationally as well. So Emily, I didn't
1: actually know until I started prepping for this show that you were a social worker. And as soon as I saw that, it just clicked. Man, that totally makes sense. I, I feel like that background changes the lens through which you interact with other humans. You you think about not only that counseling piece, but almost the logistics of putting things together to make sure people have what they need. So I'm really curious, how does it inform the way you interact with your recipients, but maybe even board members and people that are donating to the organizations?
2: Right, so um, two of my Skills are connector and empath. And if anyone has done the Enneagram, I am a two, wing three, and wing one. And so it's absolutely just truly part of who I am. And I believe, and I have shared this with many recently, I don't collect things, I collect people. And it is all about the relationships that you form that will be so instrumental for individuals to be volunteers. You know, individuals are part of the fabric of all of our community, whether they're an individual or they're a donor or they are the gatekeeper to the individual that you need to be in front of who makes decisions for the company or for the foundation that you're approaching to make a meaningful donation and an impact to the organization. So it's really about connecting with people. That's what it all goes back to is keeping those strong connections and then also listening. Everyone has a story to tell. And if you listen to them, you will find out what their passion is and what their purpose and what drives them, which really is a key determinant of how they will fit in to the mission. And I, you know, after our nation's largest national disaster, Hurricane Katrina. I was a part of the American Red Cross at that time. And that was a time of significant growth for the organization, but also a really big look at how to retain what were one-time disaster donors. And we worked with an amazing woman who is from Canada. And she truly worked with us to ensure that we properly stewarded those donors. And with that approach, we retained 94% of those first-time donors over the next year. And so it's all about thinking people. You know, I always say, You cannot go back to someone if you have not properly thanked them. They do not want to see or hear from you only when there's a need and your hand is out. It almost becomes a natural approach for them to give again if they feel connected, if they feel and know the impact of their gift, whether it be time, talent, or treasure. And it will just come naturally that almost they become, or their company becomes, or their foundation becomes an annual donor, an annual gift to the organization and the community.
0: So, you know, I know it's really hard at times to balance that personal professional relationship. I mean, you gave us tons of how to just in that small segment, like how to nurture that professional side for the donor side, but as a collector of people, you also make great personal connections. How do you balance and still grow your network of those connections and, and have that? Is this Emily coming to me for a mission oriented conversation or just catching up? Like how do you balance that? And how does that magic really happen at such a leadership level?
2: So, well, that's a weighted question, Brett. Um, I will say, you know, um, I have my groups, right? I have my professional group of former colleagues that I keep in touch with. I have my group of former vendors that I keep in touch with. I recently worked with a vendor that he we were his first client and his first event that he was a part of over two decades ago. And here we are now still working together in the role that I'm currently in. I also want to share with my family and my friends and my neighbors what I do, because it is part of who I am and what I do. You know, when I introduced myself, I shared with you all, I am a wife. I am a mother. I am a sister, a daughter, an aunt a godmother seven times over, which my husband has said, no more godchildren, enough gifts, <laughs> because I give for their birthdays, I give for holidays, special occasions, etc. And, you know, it's all about when you balance and you keep those connections for them to know when you need them. And then when you're also just updating them on life and what's going on with you. But people really do want to come along and they want to help and they want to support. We all lead busy lives that won't ever change. and um, But it truly is staying connected. It is having those catch-up lunches, those coffee meetups, you know, um, I recently started attending a women's networking group where I am the only nonprofit professional. But I really felt like I needed to put myself in a place and in a space with other like minded individuals so that I'm continuing to grow and I'm continuing to expand and I don't become stagnant and in a silo. Because I feel like when you become so stagnant in your silo, that growth doesn't continue. And, you know, I share with everyone what I do because I'm passionate about what I do. I love what I do. I feel so fortunate. Not everyone is that fortunate to love their job and have a job that they love and that they enjoy and they feel like it's meaningful. And then, you know, I... I do. I have, you know, if not quarterly, every six or eight weeks, have lunch with a dear friend that we started out kindergarten together and we graduated from graduate school. She also is a social worker and she also has two sons. And so we share so much in common with life, but it also helps to surround yourself with others who are doing life similar to what you're doing. I have neighbor friends and friends from church that I also see because we're in the trenches of the day-to-day with, you know, children in elementary school and nearing the middle school years and all the hormones that come with that. But I also, I've made my marriage a priority and my husband and I know the impact that it has with us having regular date nights and us going through as a family, as well as together, our week and the calendar as who is going to be there to support the other. Because at the end of the day, he may have a meeting, I may have an early morning meeting, he may have an evening meeting, etc. And so just keeping all of the balls in the air and juggling someone recently told me that it's okay to drop the rubber balls because they'll bounce, but it's not okay to drop the glass balls because they'll break and they'll shatter. And you can't ever put those back together. So it's all really a balancing art of knowing what are your rubber balls that you are juggling and what are the glass balls that you're juggling. So, um, You know, we work so that we can live. We don't live so that we can work. But, you know, really making sure that that balance and those connections stay in place.
0: Well, that's pretty awesome. I'm always jealous of someone that has like lifelong connections from someone from kindergarten. I I have them
2: from preschool as well.
0: That's amazing. I need to go back and like find who I actually went to kindergarten with, and like track them down. Like, look, it's a life mission. I'm going to be friends with you again.
2: (laughs) So we, um, you know, I I grew up in the area and I grew up in an area where it's a very tightly connected community and um, honored and proud. I don't live in that area, but my parents still do and they've lived in that area for over 52 years. They've lived in the exact same house for um 43 years. And so um there will be friends that are in town from visiting and they'll see my mother out in the front yard and they will stop. <laughs> so, um but I'm also the oldest of five children and so um and we're From myself being the oldest and my sister being the youngest, there's almost a 15-year age gap. And so I have friends that also have siblings Mm -hmm. that have friends that are friends with my siblings. And then my friends have seen my younger sister grow up. She was their babysitter. I mean, yes, of my friends who had young children and now she is having their children babysit her children. <laughs> when she's... And so we recently were um, c- catching up with a group of us that we were, we were all in pre-K four together. And out of the class of 12, there are 10 of us that all stay connected. Wow. That's, and so that's
0: lightning in a bottle
2: it it really is and it's really something special and i don't take that lightly and so you know um my husband can't keep up with everyone he's like okay was this preschool was this elementary school was this college who was this put this you know and then my children also say if we ever go anywhere with mom she always knows someone and i said that's right and so you better watch what you say or do because you're a reflection on us <laughs>
0: That's awesome. So, I mean, your mom, obviously a staple of the community, your grandmother, a staple community. You've been building your own, the staple of the community. Like what do you think or what do you feel like your legacy has been so far in North Texas?
2: I feel it's been with raising needed funds for organizations that have been making meaningful impacts. I'm really proud of what I've been a part of and what I've been able to weave throughout my career, the connections that I've made, the wonderful opportunities that I've had. I always say, and I know that this is not something that many people say or think about, but retirement is not in my vocabulary I always want to continue to make a meaningful difference and continue to help just lift up humanity and community. And I feel that so many things would be accomplished and solved when folks come together and give meaningful, impactful gifts. We've seen that with significant donations, not just locally, but nationally and internationally. And we see the good that can come from leveraging those opportunities for individuals and foundations and corporations to give. But at the root of it all, it's people. People truly are... The instruments that make the music of what we need in our world, and so, um, you know, those are the individuals that are making the big decisions at Fortune 500 companies that are sending their employees out for a day of give back, that are sending their employees out when a disaster happens, or to sort and distribute food out of food bank, and to commit to Meals on Wheels and to inspire tomorrow's leaders through girl scouts and you know really hone in on the stem approach because we need to feed that pipeline of you know tomorrow's leaders and what i've been a part of with raising funds for childhood cancer research you know we know that through research it will unlock better treatments for children battling cancer and it's not about if it's about when there are items that come together and that we will see if not in our lifetime but in our children or grandchildren's that there's been a positive needle that has truly been moved with childhood cancer and so many other diseases you know, I've seen firsthand the impact and what has moved from research to clinical trials to soon beyond the bench. And also, you know, what we see and call unicorns, right? Those that have lived and battled through horrible diseases and are on the other side of remission, but they still battle the residual effects of those horrific treatments. And so bettering those treatments and honing in on those treatments so that they're more precise is something that's really, really impactful. So I'm really proud of what I've been a part of. I'm really proud of what's to come. Um, You know, I feel like I have a lot more to offer with my career and my time and my gifts and my skills.
1: Moving that needle forward is a beautiful legacy. I love it. So I want to ask you a question, both as a nonprofit executive, but as a volunteer yourself, if people are thinking about getting involved and giving back to their community, one, what advice would you give them? And two, where can Go to figure out if an organization is even a worthy cause for their, choose your words, time, talents, or
2: treasure. the other one? Treasure. treasure. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, I was listening to a podcast the other day. I spend a lot of time in my car. If I'm not listening to a podcast, I'm listening to an audio book. And I was listening to a podcast the other day. And what this individual shared was... Go where you feel like you're led. Go where you feel like there is a need. And you may feel like you are a small cog on that wheel, but you are making a difference. And go to what you're passionate about, whether it be in education, healthcare, poverty, you know, um, any sort of humanitarian need, there is a role for you. And it may be one hour a month. It may be a day. There are so many companies now that are giving their employees days during the work week to go out and be a part of a nonprofit event, a fundraising event, or to go out and work in a warehouse, or sorting, or prepping, and you see firsthand what the need is, organizations and nonprofits, the only difference, and I like to share this a lot with my for-profit friends, is that we are not returning a profit at the end of the day. We have a job to do and a business to run, just like for-profit entities. However, we do it all on a shoestring budget and with limited resources. So where a for-profit would be able to go and hire out an entire team or department to execute a role or a project or a program or an event, nonprofits need to utilize volunteers who will do it for the gift of time. And so I would encourage you all to look in your own community. There are many resources. There's volunteer centers that will connect you to others. You can always look up, you know, on GuideStar to see where organizations land with their leadership and with their fiduciary responsibilities and then, you know, just talk to who may want to come along with you, whether it may be a family member or a friend or someone in, you know, your family or your business or your community, etc. You know, we see a lot of mother-son, mother-daughter groups that volunteer, a lot of different scout troops, a lot of different high school students because they need those hours of service for applying for scholarships or to show their impact of giving back. And then, you know, those companies that will sometimes also give a grant to an organization where their employees have gone and volunteered. So it's really just finding out what your passion is, what your time commitment is, you know, around the holidays is when there's a great need because there's such an influx of in-kind, which are non-cash donations, toys, clothes, books, food, etc. that need to be distributed. And so there's always a need. And yes, we started our children young in volunteering. And so I always say if the parent or the guardian will be with the child and there's something that the child can count or, you know, put in a pile based on color, um, they can volunteer.
0: So you've, I, I want to ask a question. I almost want to give a disclaimer that you can't say your mom or your grandma. Okay. <laughs> but I think it's loaded totally question. Number you loaded, two loaded question. Number two. <laughs> When you're looking for inspiration to feed your soul, who or what organizations are inspiring to you?
2: So I always go back to one individual and um, she is no longer living, but she made just a true impact and legacy I believe not just on the community where she was born and raised and the state she was born and raised, but also our country. And her name is Ruth Altshuler. And I worked with Ruth when I was at Girl Scouts and at the American Red Cross. Ruth's father Um, gave a significant donation and his name is on the building of the Salvation Army building in Dallas. It's the Carpe Collins. And Ruth had a childhood that was different when she was growing up on historic Swiss Avenue and having the opportunity, we actually attended the same summer camp as young women growing up in Texas, which is in the Texas Hill country. And whenever anyone asks me what my little slice of heaven on earth is, I always go to that place. And I knew of Ruth when I was growing up. I actually went to summer camp with one of her granddaughters. And then I got to know Ruth in doing what I do, which is fundraising and relationship building. Ruth was really instrumental on building out the Alexis de Tocqueville Society for the United Way, and I met her early on in my career, and then I remet her again and got to work with her extensively at the American Red Cross when we developed a society of women leaders, and she was a part of that And she really helped connect us with other like-minded females that wanted to give a significant gift to the organization. And then I later met and worked with Ruth in her living room over tea when it was time to be a part of a capital campaign that I was a part of. And I needed her to assist me on really getting in front of one of her dear friends who had made a significant donation back in the 60s in honor of his sister. And it was time for us to reapproach this donor for a gift for the capital campaign and to really keep his sister's legacy alive at the time they were still both living. And um, he, I'll share who it is. It's Ross Perot, and it was Camp Betty Perot that he gave um, a significant amount of land in the 60s to Girl Scouts. And Camp Betty Perot is a camp for Girl Scouts in East Texas, but it's also where their equestrian program is. And It was time for our capital campaign at Girl Scouts to improve those outdoor centers of excellence, the camps. And so I went to Ruth because I knew that every Sunday night she had dinner with a group of friends. And in that group of friends were Mr. and Mrs. Perot. And I knew that if we were going to approach him for another gift, Ruth was going to be instrumental. And she was. And I will say, I will never forget the conversations we had, the trips I drove to East Texas to get the pictures she wanted and how some of the pictures were not bad enough to show him and that she needed worse pictures. And so, you know, drove back out to East Texas. You know, these this was in the day that we would go and have you know, film developed, um, which is very different than how it is today. And the gift came to be, and it came to be in a significant way. It um, was a meaningful gift. It was a legacy gift. And all three have since passed away. But their legacy of giving and their family's approach to giving is still just so meaningful. She also had a big collection in her driveway for canned foods before Thanksgiving, and it's been continued on by her grandchildren. And so I just think of her, her humble spirit, her rich history, the fact that she was part of the team to plan the luncheon that President and Mrs. Kennedy were to go to at the trademark on the day that Kennedy was assassinated and that she was just a pillar of the Dallas community, Texas, but also the United States and just a true philanthropic spirit. So I kept thank you notes from her. I kept thank you notes from her family after she passed away and I gave donations in her memory and she's who I think about, you know, and who I just had a really kindred spirit with.
0: Wow. That is such an amazing story. And yours is not, not amazing. I mean, I think our interactions with you over the, I mean, Across organizations, across people. I mean, you're building that same foundation. So, thank you so much for what you do for our community, uh, the broader community. And it is just amazing to get to know you. So, thanks for your time.
2: Absolutely. Thank you all for having me.
1: Well, I hope you're able to find inspiration in Emily's story. I really respect how she's made giving back both her career and a huge part of her personal life. And she's teaching her sons what it takes to improve communities.